We're putting the band back together. From the Twisted Minds, brought you the original fan ball. We had a bad pile with enough to turn goat piss in the gas This is the Fanball Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. And if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Welcome back to the latest installment of the Fanball Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm John Tuvey. I am joined once again by Scott Fish and Jay Clemens. And today we're going to break down wide receivers. We're going to go through our consensus rankings and pick out guys that maybe we're a little higher on than the average person. Maybe we're a little lower on than uh, the typical fantasy football player. And uh, we'll also throw out uh, a deep player that uh, we're kind of excited about their prospects, especially compared to their average draft position. Uh, And let's get right to it with Jay, who is on board the Brandon Cooks train, makes the move from New Orleans to New England. Jay, do you have him supplanting Julian Edelman as Tom Brady's go-to guy? I don't know about that. I just think that if people are making a – if they're kind of feeling out where they would go with certain guys in in certain rounds, Brandon Cooks is going to be drafted higher, even in PPR leagues, just because of his upside – um, you know, Edelman is obviously still playing at a high level on a PPR standpoint, but even Wes Welker scored more touchdowns in his heyday with the Patriots than Edelman is now. So I think the upside is higher. I, I still like Edelman. If I can give him a PPR league in round seven, you know, I'm pretty happy. But at the same time, if someone wants to reach and grab him, I'm okay with that. And I'm probably okay at the end of the day with Cooks being grabbed ahead of me as well. Um, but I do like him. Uh, we're talking about it when he was with the Saints – Two-year average of 81 catches, 1,156 yards, nine touchdowns, and of equal importance, 123 targets. So if he can get anything in that range uh, for 2017, I think it'll be fine. I will note, though, okay, I, I, a couple of minutes ago I was just taking some notes here. And uh, the good thing is from last year he had 10 outings of eight-plus targets last year and three straight games of one touchdown, at least one touchdown. And from a daily fantasy standpoint, last year he had three games where he had 30-plus points. Uh, one game was six catches, 143 for two, two touchdowns, seven catches for 173 and one touchdown, and seven catches for 186 and two touchdowns, um, which was, what, the equivalent to 37.6 PPR points. So he's strong on a seasonal redraft, and there's probably four games where he will literally carry your receivers to prominence at, in the, at the daily fantasy level. So he's not necessarily vintage Randy Moss with the Patriots blowing up the uh, blowing up the scorebook, but for four games, if you can identify the the four best opportunities he has, he can do that for you. Yeah, you know, we always make the joke of like, yeah, so and so will have two or three good games this year, and good luck figuring out which ones. So it would be we could almost apply the same thing to Cooks, but I, I will say that uh, when. Uh, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't throw out compliments every day. And when before the draft, uh, what, uh, Cooks is entering his fourth year, so that would have made it the before the uh, 14 draft. Uh, Belichick was reportedly and publicly, I guess, very high on Cooks. 
and was very disappointed that they couldn't land him. So the fact that he's got him betrayed is exciting. Um, I'm looking at Tom Brady's numbers. He, uh, he, if you take away last year because he had the four-game suspension, from 2011 to 2015, that's five years, he averaged 616 pass attempts uh, while racking up 4,657 yards and 33 touchdowns during that time. If he had extrapolated his numbers to 16 games from last year, it basically would have been a replication of 2015. So if you assume that the pass attempts will be in the 630 range, if you assume the, the completion percentage will be in the range of you know 67, uh, 66, 67%, and you assume full health for everyone, which is always dicey with the Patriots, Cook still stands to benefit a lot. So, you know, I, I, I'm not going to, like, go to the mat with this guy. Like, I need to have him by round three. But if he's there in round four in every single situation, I will take him. Uh, so along those same lines, someone who I think uh, might be off the board before round three or round four, Des Bryant. And, uh, Scott, you're a lot closer to his ADP. His ADP is actually ninth among wide receivers. You've got him eighth. Uh, Jay absolutely beating him up with a, a 36. I've got him at 16. And that's a generous 36, by the way. Wow. Um, I, I'm sorry. I'm, not, I'm just not sold. I, you, know, some, you know, some guys seem to hit a wall sooner than later, and you can't really figure it out because when you look at them physically, they're still, they still look like they could just be monsters out there. I, I've been really disappointed with uh, Dez's regression in the last two years, and it doesn't help that the Cowboys – are kind of taking the receiving aspect for granted. Yeah, they drafted Ryan Switzer. I guess that's something. But, they, you know, it just from a name standpoint, you know, it just seems like that playmaking core at the receivers and uh, it, is still lacking. And, you know, I think they hinged so much that their offensive line is dominant that they can just do anything they want. But, you know, Dez is at that bottom third of number one receivers. And I don't think that I, I don't expect to be proven wrong on that uh, later uh, this year at all. And now for a dissenting opinion, we go to the Dallas Cowboys desk where Scott Fish has a report for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's still one of the biggest weapons that they have. And over the last half of the season, he scored seven touchdowns in the final eight games, uh, really starting to connect with Dak at the end of the year. Um, I will say this about Des Bryant. I believe he has never had 140 targets ever in his career, which for a wide receiver one who's generally ranked as a wide receiver one or so, that's that's not good. But uh, almost every game he plays, including last year, I think he only had two games where he didn't score double-digit fantasy points. Uh, like I said, he ended the ended the season so well with Dak. I I tend to be the optimist that that's going to come back. Uh, this season, I think Dak's going to improve. Uh, that 459 uh, attempts that Dak had last year, I, I, that's going to go way up, and I think Des is going to be a beneficiary. But, you know, I it's one of those things I can see the other side. He's just a huge touchdown producer, that, and that's that's part of the reason I like him. Well, between 8 and 36, uh, we're going to have to pick a, a middle ground and, yeah. and uh, figure out which uh, – we'll put a, get a whiteboard bet up. Uh, well, keep in mind, guys, this is a PPR assessment. Like, uh, yeah. you know – if you can't bring it, bring the wood receptions targets wise, it's only a matter of time before your touchdowns go away as well. I mean, I mean, like, I think Des is closer to somebody like Doriel Green Beckham than he would be like Brandon Cooks. 
Whoa. Wow. That's wow. them's fighting words. I, I hope this, uh, are we, are we live broadcast in Texas? Otherwise I, I'd be, uh, as you're driving up, uh, up from Atlanta, I would make sure. Check I will, your I will do here. a board bet with you. Des Bryant <laughs> versus Dorio Green back in this year. <laughs> oh my Lord. <laughs> okay. I didn't say he is. I said he's closer to DGB at this stage of his career than he would be with Cooks. He's 28. I mean, it's not like he's 34. But yeah, he's he's battled injuries recently. He missed what four or five games last year. I I get it. Well, if he's twenty eight, then I can see why you guys want to bury uh, this twenty nine year old receiver that uh, has an ADP of seventeen. I've got him at eleven. You guys both have him at twenty. Uh, Demarius Thomas of the Broncos, and I think you want to beat him up because of his quarterbacking. Uh, last year, the Denver Broncos quarterbacks came in at uh, number twenty seven among fantasy producers, and yet uh, Thomas still put up 90 catches, 1,083 yards, five touchdowns. It was his fifth straight 1,000-yard season. Uh, he's no longer probably a, a double-digit touchdown guy, but uh, I think maybe we're, we're ready to write him off a little too quickly because, you know, the year before, he had bad Peyton as his quarterback, and that was still 1,306. So how bad can Paxton Lynch or, or a second year of, of Trevor Simeon really be? And I, I know you guys aren't necessarily beating him up at, uh, at 20, but uh, you know, talk me down from this ledge that I'm on uh, that uh, I'm comfortable with Demarius as uh, one of my starting receivers. Well, I, I, I like Demarius. And I think that last year he just barely tipped over the thousand yard scale and they were, they were a mess on the offensive line and at quarterback. Both quarterbacks have another year under their belt. Uh, I can see the optimism there. I don't think I'm being terrible with him at 20. There's just guys I like more in that range. There's, you know, the Jarvis Landry's, the Keenan Allen's, the Terrell Pryor's, those kind of guys I just I just have above him. I still really like him. I, if, I'd still want him as a top two wide receiver for, on my team. Jay, you comfortable with uh, Demarius Thomas uh, in your starting lineup? Yeah, I'm kind of like you, where uh, I, I realized the gravy train of double-digit touchdowns. So you, I remember doing, when I was with uh, Fox, we were doing some videos, and I, I talked about how, like, Demarius's uh, average, what, from 2012 to 2014, it was the tightest three-year average of any receiver that we had. And you, but you, So you knew that train would go away. Now, did I think – he would regress and with Peyton as the quarterback. No, but that was probably more of a Peyton thing than him. Uh, you know, he's still a solid guy. Um, you know, here's the thing. Okay. I'm looking at last year's stats. He from week, what looks like week six to week 14, which is a span of nine games. He had eight, uh, eight of those nine games, guys. He had double digit targets. So the quarterbacks are looking for him. Uh, you're right. You know, Scott's right. Like you, when you say you're under your belt, it's kind of like a nice way of saying hey, have minimal upside. Let's not let's not bury him completely. Let him get better. Well, when your quarterbacks are making a conscious effort to pursue you, uh, you know, you got to have some faith in the guy. I think 20 is a good ranking. But, if you know, like if someone wanted to say 14 or 15, I could find a way to support that. If you believe that Demarius and Emmanuel Sanders are a top five receiving duo and you believe that Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch has decent upside, then that would, you know, then it, 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 it makes, it makes me believe that 20 might be a little low for this discussion and that, but I think 15 would be a little too high. So I, we're not too far away, but I do love guys that get double digit targets. 
um, at least seven a game. And uh, uh, Thomas basically checks every box off that uh, that request thing for me, definitely. How about Doug Baldwin? What uh, what boxes is he not checking off for you? You've got him a little bit lower. Uh, both Scott and I have him as uh, one of our uh, number one receivers. Uh, Scott's got him at 12. I've got him at 10. You're not that far off at 18, but there, there must be a few boxes he's not checking. Well, okay, this is where I kind of feel like these podcasts – are like the version of first take or something like that, where you're putting me, you're making me out to be the bad guy inside the long <laughs> Somebody's got to play the heel. Average of 86 catches, 111 targets, 1100 yards. I think it's 1101. Like, so it's right on the dot and 10 touchdowns. Okay. So I definitely like him. I think uh, Russell Wilson uh, with his mobility uh, you know, assuming he doesn't get injured like he did last year, he'll be, you know, have more mobility in the pocket and be able to buy some time and fight these guys. So I do love Doug Baldwin. Um, the problem is I think Jimmy Graham is building up to be a monster. I think uh, CJ Procise will benefit the passing game. I think even Eddie Lacy can benefit the passing game as well. So I think Baldwin, I, let, let's, but let's be honest, guys. Um, if, if you were to tell me Baldwin plays another seven years in the league and, and never comes close to 14 touchdowns, I'll believe that definitely. So we're we're essentially judging him on the high water mark of 14. But keep in mind, yes, his he lost 50% of his touchdowns last year, but he also had up for 2016, he also had upticks in targets, receptions, and receiving yards, which basically confirms his status as a number one receiver and a PPR guy that you can count on. So when I say I'm down on him, that's only because I think that Seattle has the, you know, they have brought up the level of PPR guys that are on par with him. So Baldwin's numbers, especially touchdowns, will naturally regress. I, I think uh, you lost me everything after you said Eddie Lacy, Eddie Lacy has PPR upside. I think that's <laughs> where I got derailed with that statement. But I'm sure it was all good. I'm, staying I'm in a... shape, and I know staying in shape is a relative <laughs> term. Although when I see the weight that Eddie Lacy has to get for 55 grand, I'm like, you know, if someone put me on a scale, I, I think I would be – I'd be 55 grand richer too, but uh, you know, the, what they're asking of Eddie Lacy, like, it's not like they're saying like, we want you playing at 280. Like if he's playing at 240, like he, there's a chance that he can get his quickness back. Uh, you're more optimistic than me. And right now he's, he's at 250, I believe. Isn't that, yeah, that the last, the last camp, weight he needed to get to? Training camp does not make players fatter. You know, like, uh, <laughs> Like uh, the, the thing, the, the biggest worry thing, and I completely understand the Seattle Most coaches. Um, as I've worked for NFL teams, you know, everyone likes it. Once June 15th comes around, mini camps are over, everyone's on vacation. That's when the trouble hits. But if, if Lacey is anywhere near his weight to what he was what, last week for training camp, then he's going to lose like three or four more pounds in tra- camp. And uh, no, no one gets fatter in camp. So uh, unless you're, you know, because if you're hurt, you're still riding that bike. Off the, on the off the side, so uh, you know I'm I'm optimistic if he can just get through one more month. You say that, and uh, guys like Trent Richardson and Ron Dane say, "Hold my beer." <laughs> sure, sure. You know, <laughs> but uh, it, it's how bad you want it, and I think, um, you know, let's be honest. When you get a one year contract from a team, and you're at your perception of your height of your money making thing, like it's going to keep you motivated. And if that's what it takes in this age of diminishing all running backs except for Le'Veon Bell like or David Johnson when his next contract comes up, then, then so be it. I can roll with the punches. Uh, 
as a as a uh, fantasy analyst. All right, you you and Eddie, I, stay away from the ice cream parlor. I will say this about Doug Baldwin. I'm glad that he's finally getting drafted and ranked where he deserves because even last year he was way undervalued. Oh, I wasn't implying I'm fat too. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, like if someone put me on a scale, like a. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm a decent sized guy. I, I got a TV career to think about guys. I got to work out every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, one guy that uh, is a former Seahawk who they're not uh, having to put on the scale, but uh, Scott looks like he's ready to, to take him out back and, and maybe uh, take him to the woodshed. Uh, Golden Tate, uh, ADP of 26. I mean, you know, maybe it's Jay and I that are crazy. I've got him at 14. Jay's got him at 19. ADP of 26. Scott clocks in at 32. What uh, What is it about Golden Tate that uh, is not floating your boat? You know, honestly, the, when I put my rankings out there for people to pick apart, this is one of the ones where I realized I am way too low. I mean, we're talking about a guy who has three straight 90 catch seasons, and, and this is PPR scoring we're talking about here. That's that that is definitely low. I I don't know how you guys got him that high up, but maybe it's just because there are a lot of wide receivers that I'm taking shots at. That a, a lot of guys that you know are a little more risky that I have ranked above him. I, I have guys like Willie Sneed. I love this year. Devontae Parker. He could bust, but I have him above Tate just because I I see that ceiling. I I'm, I tend to be a fantasy ceiling player, and it's something I maybe I need to work on, but. Uh, Tate is one of the safest plays out there. It'd be pretty surprising if he didn't have 80 or 90 catches again this year. Jay, how- Scott, he's not on the agenda, but I will fight you for Devontae Parker in any redraft situation that we're in. Uh, he is my absolute number yeah. one breakout guy this year, so I will oh, fight yeah. you on any level to get him. Uh, so uh, that, that, should be, that should make for an interesting <laughs> podcast itself. Yeah, we're going to have monthly mocks too, so it'll be fun watching that battle play out. <laughs> uh, I don't want to defend Tate because I still think Marvin Jones has upside where he can be end up being the number one guy. But I will say this, from what, uh, week six to uh, week 17, which spans, uh, what, 11 games last year, uh, Tate had – he averaged seven catches for 86 yards and had, what, one half touch, you know, a touchdown every two games. And then during that time, which 11 games – he had double-digit targets, uh, looks like seven times, and he had nine or more eight times. So in a PPR world, Tate is definitely a guy that you like. And, uh, you know, I know he's been carping for a new contract and yada, yada. But, you know, when you look at the numbers, you're like, yeah, he's all, it's a lot of dink and dunk passes. But at the same time, he does bring production at the PPR uh, from the PPR level. Jay, I do have a question for you. Since you're you're a targets and touches guy and you're a Detroit Lions guy, um, the the Lions lost 22 red zone targets when um, Anquan Bolden left. I know they got Gaudet in there. They got a lot of the same cast and characters. Where do you think those go? Let's let's just say that those 22 targets are you know exactly go out. Where, where do you think they go? Where's who's the biggest beneficiary? I think it'll be spread out. Uh, Jones and I think Eric Ebron. I've um you know Ebron. I can't blame – it's not Ebron's fault that the Lions took, did not take uh, Odell Beckham or Aaron Donald uh, in 2014 at, at pick number 10. I mean, I, like, I, like, it is one of my cardinal rules of this world. I don't care if you perceive the guy to be Gronk times two. You're not, you're not drafting a tight end high in round one ever because you can, they're just replaceable guys that you can find. 
That said, Ebron has brought it lately. So I think Ebron, Marvin Jones, I think Amir Abdullah, those guys, if, if, assuming Abdullah can be healthy, he's great in a PPR potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, if right. you can have him as your fourth running back, you might start him a lot. So I think it will just be spread out. Um, I would love okay. Bolden to come back. But at the same time, you know, the whole functionality of a Jim Bob Cooter offense is Stafford having the ability to spread around. And I will say this. I had no idea who Kenny Galladay was until I watched uh, a couple Mac games during the year. I was like, my God, this guy's a beast. He kind of reminds me body-wise of Des Bryant. So the fact that the Lions got him in round, what, round three, I think, uh, I thought that is a very good thing. And all indications from my friends that are beat writers there is that he looks just as good as anybody in training camp. So I think it'll be kind of spread around. But you hate Des Bryant. (laughs) No, I don't like Des Bryant at 29 years old with all the wear and tear. I I mean, I'm not going to ever bash – that run that Des Bryant had for like a two and a half year period where he was right up there with Calvin, um, you know, shot for shots. But at the same time, um, you know, it's, it's natural to break down. And, you know, th- there's a reason why NFL players want to maximize their money on the first and second contract, because a lot of times that third contract ends up just being something part and parcel of a, of a two year deal. So, uh, you know, I, I, I wish Brian all the luck in the world, but, uh, for upside for the next three years, I'll, I'll take Kenny Galladay easily. Hmm. Well, Jay, if you and I ever walk into a bar in Texas, uh, it depends if it's going to be, if it's in Dallas or Houston, which of us is going to get our tail kicked first? Because <laughs> the guy that I'm low on this year, um, he's got an ADP of 12. If you add Jay's seven ranking to Scott's 11 ranking for an 18, I'm still lower on DeAndre Hopkins. I've got him at 21. Wow. Um, he was okay, in, but- this could be it. Uh, go ahead and do your sermon, but it, the quarterbacks matter. Optics matter. And, and with that rank, I would hope so, right? Right. And uh, last year he had the uh, the 31st ranked fantasy quarterback. He was the number 35 receiver. Houston uh, in, in general was uh, 30th among wide receiver production. But I look at his touchdowns and I see years of 2, 6, 11, and 4. And I think the 11's the outlier. And – I just, I, you know, maybe maybe Deshaun Watson steps in and is the guy. The the metrics that uh, I've seen don't suggest that he is going to be a, a go-to quarterback. And I'm just not buying Hopkins as as a starter, uh, as as a receiver one level guy. I you know at 21, I'll take him as my second receiver, but uh, he's going to be off the board before uh, before I end up with him in any league. So. Now, uh, if you want to put your either of you put yourself in the in the shoes of the casual Texan fan when I walk into the barbecue joint in Houston and, <laughs> and I say, right before I kick your butt, let me tell you this about DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I think his catch percentage last year was the real outlier. I think he's a shoe in for 150 targets in that offense. He's probably not going to get the 192 that you mentioned the outlier year, but his catch percentage was like 57 to 58% every year until last year where it dipped into the low fifties. You up that paired with the 150 targets. I think you're going to see a lot more productive production out of him, but I think the answer on Deandre Hopkins is somewhere in between last year and his 192 <laughs> target. year. Hey, Suvi, I'll buy your skepticism, but I will say this though. Okay. Uh, in 2015, the Texan quarterbacks were T.J. Yates, in no particular order, T.J. Yates, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, and Brandon Whedon. And DeAndre Hopkins still had his first 10 games that year. He had double-digit targets for all 10. 
Okay, so if you want to say you don't believe in Tom Savage, then I would hopefully say you didn't believe in Ryan Ryan Hoyer, uh, Ryan Mallet, or any of those jokers either. And, you know, I think Watson will be a decent quarterback. You don't have numbers like that against Alabama back-to-back years in a championship setting and just say, well, he's going to be average in the pros. Like, uh, I don't think he'll be great, but it, yeah, I think he'll be respectable. Um, and I just – you know, Tom Savage wasn't a bad prospect. He just had – it was a lot like Joe Flacco where he had bad situations in college where there were people in front of him and he kept transferring and coaches got fired. So I'm not ready to write the book on Savage just yet. Just know if Brian Hoyer can make somebody look good, then certainly Tom Savage can make somebody look good as well. We'll talk about my uh, unnatural man love for, for Brian Hoyer and when I'm drafting him in the last <laughs> round as my starting quarterback. I went to Michigan State, and I don't even acknowledge him. So what, how is that for you? You know? He's going to be feeding my guy Pierre Garçon all year long, and you guys are going to be choking on it. All right, so speaking of uh, deep, deep receivers and, and going back to the place where Pierre Garçon left, that means more targets for Jamison Crowder. And, uh, Jay, you're, you're optimistic on Crowder. You see him as a viable uh, starter in a three-receiver league. Yeah, uh, I'll take you back to the 2015 Senior Bowl. I was there, and I was working for Fox. My friend and I, that we were both there, same company. We had to write a point-counterpoint, like who will be the best player coming out of this uh, in terms of receivers. He picked Ty Montgomery. I picked Jamison Crowder. I was like, uh, Crowder is the perfect slot back or PPR guy in the NFL. And while his numbers have just been okay, like from a you know from a full-season standpoint, there's a lot of room for optimism, Okay. Kirk Cousins, uh, I don't have the numbers here, but he's what he's he's basically a good bet for 4,700 yards passing and about 28 touchdowns. He's probably going to have more passing attempts or or equal that to what uh, it'll probably be somewhere between Andrew Luck and Tom Brady in terms of pass attempts. So that's good. They lost Deshaun Jackson. They lost um, uh, Pierre, your guy Pierre Garcon. But the vacuum effect was kind of swept up by the fact that they got Terrell Pryor. Josh Doxson is fully healthy. Uh, they, they hopefully will have Jordan Reed for 16 games, which no one has been able to see yet. So, And then you kind of throw Crowder in the mix as well. So I think he'll do very well. I will throw out this one stat. Yeah, he averaged five catches, 70 yards, and one touchdown from a 12-game run of the last game of the 2015 campaign and the first 11 games of last year. And during that time, I've got it highlighted as well, uh, that's what, a 12-game run? During that time, he averaged uh, seven or more targets, I believe, nine times. So he's one of those guys, if you're looking for upside, you're looking for a guy that gets thrown to the vacuum effect of everything. I think Crowder stands to benefit from that, perhaps even higher, more so uh, targets-wise than uh, Terrell Pryor. You know, and I think the news that uh, Crowder would be on the field in two receiver sets with Doxson as the guy who will come in as the uh, as the third receiver certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah, and not no, just that. Cousins, they were reporting that Cousins was, wasn't even targeting Pryor as much. He was targeting Crowder and Reed. He was, like, focused in on the two guys that he's played with the most. Well, okay, uh, I'll give you an opposite to that one. One of my good friends uh, does the drive time show in D.C., so I listen a lot whenever I'm running around or whatever. And uh, while everything you say is true from a target's perspective, uh, I've also heard Cousins uh, single out Terrell because yeah. Terrell is a former quarterback, as you guys know, and that they actually have conversations about how where to throw the ball exactly tweak-wise because they both understand each other quarterback-wise. 
there's a good chance that both Crowder and Pryor benefit greatly from Garcon and uh, Deshaun Jackson both in count. Yeah, my ranking of uh, Crowder is pretty similar to yours. I, I, I really like him this year. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, uh, last two years, uh, completion percentage of what is 68.6%, I believe. Uh, his pass attempts last year were 606. That's 10 less than Tom Brady's average uh, from 2011 to 15. So we're in that ballpark of Tom Brady proficiency. But the only the, the, the thing that probably will separate Cousins from Brady is the touchdowns. Brady will have more. But if you think Cousins can be everything that Brady is from an attempts, a completion standpoint, and a, and a receiving and a yards uh, passing perspective, then obviously that means that Crowder, Pryor, and Doxon and Jordan Reed are all benefiting. All right. If there's a Martavis Bryant hype bus, Scott Fish is driving um, with a Scott Fish clone in the front seat, and they've got the radio turned up to the Martavis Bryant channel. His, his ADP is 27. Jay's got him at 44. I've got him at 41. Scott's got him at 18. I don't think he realizes that following the Martavis Bryant hype bus are two police officers about ready to pull him over. But uh, until that happens, Scott, what, what are we going to see from Martavis that has you so giddy? Yeah, I'm, I'm so on Martavis Bryant this year, I already have a contact high. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, I'm, I'm looking, at, looking at my list. And I have him just below some of the guys like Crabtree, Watkins, Allen. But the guys below him, Devontae Adams, maybe I could move him up, you know. But guys like Dante Moncrief, a lot of questions there. Uh, more of a touchdown guy. Tyreek Hill, you know, there's, there's some optimism. You know, he could be the wide receiver one. But Jeffrey, Landry, safe. Edelman with Cooks there. Sneed has Thomas as his wide receiver one. Bryant, I just love that offense, and I love his upside. That that one stretch he had told me where his potential was. And maybe I'm just leaning too much on upside. Maybe I need to move him down. But he's a guy that I think could, could definitely finish as a top 12 wide receiver. And a lot of the guys I just listed I don't think can finish in the top 12. I'd say you're smoking something, but that that's just too obvious a <laughs> shot. Uh, Jay, you and I have him in the 40s. Um, are, we, are we missing the boat or – you know, what, what are your concerns? No, I, I'm, uh, you know, I've, I've said the word vacuum like eight times today that we almost need a sponsorship for this. But, uh, like, you can't just ignore his personal problems that he's had. If he's clean and sober, great. Okay, but we heard the same crap with, uh, with Josh Gordon um, a couple years ago, too. Like, uh, he has all the potential in the world. I, when I was covering a Georgia Tech-Clemson game, what, in 2013, he and I had never really heard of the guy until, like, maybe – in the prep time because he was, what, a sophomore, junior, whatever that was at the time. And uh, he took an 84-yard catch, and it was the fastest 84-yard touchdown I've ever seen in my life. And it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then I went to his pro day when we went to go see all the good – like Sammy Watkins and all them, and Bryant was the star of that pro pro day. So I will buy the fact that the the 14 touchdowns that he's had in two years, and we're talking about, what, 21 total games? That, That is not a fluke. He has that potential. But I think 44 is just a conservative ranking because I'm just not ready to give somebody that has been a disappointment uh, off the field. I'm just not ready to hand them the you know the the moon and the stars from a you know from a draft 
perspective. Like if I can get him as the 44th receiver, great. But I'm just not going to be that person that reaches really high for him. But if I get him, he will he will be a starting consideration every single week, no matter who else is in the pecking order of receivers. You know, unlike guys like Gordon who seem to have a problem with it, Martavis clearly had a problem, but he also had depression. And he went to went to psychologists for it. And he's being tested three times a week, and he's fine right now. So okay. I'm going well, fine. to well, – yeah. I want to be – in this situation, I want to be wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to lean on the optimistic side because all the reports I hear are that – He's really turned his life around, and you know, I it, it could be wrong. I, you know, I, we've all been wrong on guys like like Gordon, like you know, in the past, several of them have yeah, happened. Michael but, Floyd, uh, yeah, just Justin Blackman, the Jacksonville guy, Justin Black, uh, Blackman, Justin Blackman yep. yeah, Justin Blackman, yeah, and it's just, Justin Blackman is the saddest case ever for me. From a guy who loves PPR targets and touches, that guy had the potential to be a guy who got fifteen mm-hmm. targets every single week. He was just a monster, but. You know, you you got to want it too. Like you know, we can't do it for you, and that's uh, a really sad case in, in his. Uh, yeah, two-time Belichick winner. It's entirely possible that uh, I've got a contact tie with Martavis Bryant based on my ranking of Kenny <laughs> Britt. Um, he's got an ADP of fifty-nine. Jay's got him at fifty-three. Scott's got him at forty-eight. I've got Kenny Britt at thirty-three. Um, something about those brown and orange uniforms must. Uh, it's the browns, man. I can't. I can't. Just, <laughs> Say yeah, you're gonna bring it. You know, I like uh, I like Corey Coleman. He had that really good game against the Ravens. Uh, I think it was six catches, one on six, and two touchdowns. Then he got hurt. That's it. I don't know what I, I have no. And we we're not gonna talk about this in this podcast, but it's ridiculous that they dropped Barnage with all the cap space, and now it's in Juco and a bunch of clowns at tight end. There is no one to throw to. So why wouldn't Kenny Britt and uh, Coleman uh, be the recipient of all those targets? I, I have no answer for that because I agree with you. If Pryor can put up 77 for 1,007 yards and four touchdowns uh, with the 25th best quarterbacking as he did last year with the Browns, and you'd think that it can't get that much worse for the Browns, and it can only get better for Kenny Britt, who had the worst quarterbacking in the league last year and yet put up 68 for 1,002 and five with the Rams. There's no way the Rams had the worst quarterbacking. They they had a cut like uh, – what's his name? Case Keenum almost threw for 1,000 yards against the Lions. Like, I mean, he had some decent <laughs> so like, uh, That only tells you I how know bad. I know bad during the middle school offense, but they, they had games where they were productive at least. Well, yeah. the numbers tell me that the number 32 oh. quarterbacking in the league belonged mm-hmm. to the St. Louis Rams, and yet Kenny Britt overcame that. So whether it's uh, Deshaun Kaiser, who they say isn't ready, or Cody Kessler, who I think will probably end up being – the Browns quarterback, I think Kenny Britt finds a way to get it done. And the nice thing is I've got him 26 spots ahead of his ADP. I can wait on Kenny Britt. And and even you guys can wait till where you've got Kenny Britt ranked and you're going to be grabbing him ahead of where his ADP is. Which is good because I'm uh, anyone that has listened to this that has followed me for a long time knows that I'm a I'm a huge Kenny Britt guy. I I really really like Kenny Britt. Uh, that two game stretch or two and a half game stretch, whatever it was for the Titans back in what 2011, I thought he was going to be a beast. So <laughs> I, I've been loving him since then. Wait, who was um, the guy? Uh, the Titans drew what was his name? Like 2004 had. Drew Bennett. Yep. Yeah, Drew Bennett, Bennett had like won me a title. He had, he had like 820 yards and four or five touchdowns. Like, <laughs> what's the difference between him and Kenny Britt? Seriously. 
Kenny Britt had a thousand. I will say Bennett had a couple good years. You know? Well, Drew Bennett had had Billy Volick thrown to him, and Billy Volick to Drew Bennett won me a title. So we will not disparage them as long as I'm not. Billy Volick is on the short list of NFL quarterbacks to go for 400 yards in back-to-back weeks. It's a very short list, like seven people. And on the short list of uh, NFL players that lost to Spleen. It knocked wow. him out of the knocked him out of the it, true story at the uh, at the old fan ball uh, when Billy Volick was banged up and Steve McNair was constantly banged up and I was riding the two headed quarterback train uh, championship week it was undetermined which one was going to start and I'm driving into work on a Sunday waiting to get the news I'm on the phone with Bo Mitchell to find out and he's the commissioner of the league. I'm ready to make my lineup decision. And as I'm speaking to Bo Mitchell, I'm literally blocks away from the fanball office in downtown Minneapolis. And as I'm talking to Bo and telling him, uh, getting the injury report, telling him who I'm going to start. And my next words to Bo were, all right, a cop's behind me pulling me over. So uh, I got to go. <laughs> and the entire staff of the fanball office went to the window. And there I was sitting on the road right outside the office, getting a ticket on the way to work for speeding to try and get my lineup in. Fortunately, the championship winnings covered covered what the ticket was, and <laughs> no one was injured in the accident, and uh, nice. I was straightforward with the officer. Why, why were you going so fast? Officer, I need to get my lineup in. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm sorry. You know, some things take priority over the speed limit. Millennials couldn't relate to that story, John. Uh, they would just be like, well, why didn't you just pull out your phone, dude, you know, and pull it off? You know? uh, yeah, unfortunately, this was uh, oh, over a decade ago, so we, we didn't quite have the, the great technology that uh, everyone is enamored with today. All right, uh, we have touched on all of the wide receivers we're going to talk about for this podcast. Uh, among the guys we didn't talk about, and here's our consensus rankings of the wide receivers, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., Mike Evans are our top three, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson, followed by T.Y. Hilton, Michael Thomas, uh, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, despite me uh, blasting him with that 21, still clocks in uh, as a as a starting wide receiver. Doug Baldwin, Terrell Pryor, Keenan Allen, who I'm uh, pleased to see is climbing the list. I think if he stays healthy, he's in for a monster year. Jarvis Landry, Demarius Thomas, Allen Robinson, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Crabtree, Brandon Cooks, and rounding up our rounding out our starters, Des Bryant, Devontae Adams, and Golden Tate. Uh, you'll be able to see all of our individual rankings as we post our cheat sheets um, at League Safe. Uh, the good folks at League Safe are happy us. Happy to host us uh, while we're getting all the kinks worked out uh, with our other venue. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. Jay, for now, you are at? Uh, at ATL underscore Jay Clements. All right. Uh, and if that's not working, that means Jay has moved to Minnesota and he's changed. You'll have to track him down for the update. That's the beauty of Twitter is that Twitter is just to you. It follows. Your oh, that's, that. beautiful. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's not like when you get a new phone number and you got to email every single friend to let them know you got a new phone number. Thank God. You know? one, yeah. one thing Twitter's done right. Scott, where are you on Twitter? At Scottfish24. All right. And I am at J-T-U-V-E-Y. You do have to spell it out. Maybe I should uh, take a cue from J and then tweak mine a little bit and just make it the two and the V. It's uh, so much easier to type. Uh, for Jay Clemens, for Scott Fish, and for myself, John Tuvey, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.
Mr. Webb. Can I ask you something? Sure thing. Shoot, Timmy. Danny. Danny. When you were my age, did you ever have trouble deciding what you wanted to do with your life? <laughs> no, I never had that problem, really. Why? Forget it. I didn't think you'd understand. You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. I don't know. 